0: you know sometimes you release something and they kind of like they might not understand it but which is going to happen a lot with this record but, I, but I, I would like to hope and I think in 6 months time once the album sat with people a lot um, they will probably not even that long but you know they will kind of understand where the band band's heads were at, at that time
1: you're listening to having a chat on cjru in toronto the show where we take interesting people with interesting taste in music and talk to them about the music that they love all right so in my opinion one of the most exciting and interesting bands in the world right now is a band called the dma's With a sound once characterized by its similarities to 1990s Britpop, the DMAs on their latest record continue to push the envelope and opt for a far dancier and more electronic sound. Their new album called The Glow is out now and we're very excited to have Johnny Took from the DMAs with us to chat about some music. This is Having a Chat. kick off this week's show uh, by talking to Johnny about a song off his band's latest record uh, called Silver and uh, you know it it was hard to pick which song to play first from this record it's pretty fantastic through and through Um, but silver sort of jumps out to me and i'm particularly interested in the sort of the songwriting process behind it um my understanding is that it sort of started out as a uh, as a song for one of your bluegrass bands and uh sort of over time your bandmates sort of added different bits to it um and sort of brought it into uh into what it is now but uh what can you tell us about silver and what can you tell us about uh how silver came to be and exist in its current form
0: Well, it was funny with that because it was kind of like, so I'd written it with the intentions of it to be in Little Bastard, which was the name of the band.
1: Right.
0: Um, We never actually like, I think we jammed it a couple of times, but we never really performed it live. And uh, it was kind of in that time where DMAs was just starting up and I played it to Tommy and he really loved it. Um, It was a lot slower um, and it had congas in it in the the original demo. It was like really Mm -hmm. slow and had like, you know, um, like a break kind of conga thing. Um, and we had it for years, you know, like it was just this idea that I, I had it and, you know, it's, um, the f- it's funny that I think of you right now. Like that was the chorus, you know. Right. Um, but we kind of knew that the song wasn't really finished. I feel like a lot of musicians have this where they've got an idea or a song, but it's just like, you know cuz technically this song was around for our first album right but we didn't really know how to get it over the line or or it just it just wasn't it's time yet right which is a big learning thing that I've had to do with not rushing to get songs out for the sake of it and and now that I've kind of got silver as a prime example um you know cuz even like the other day I was thinking about these songs I have and I started a side project with my brother and I was thinking about releasing one of the songs with him, right. um, but then there's a, but then there's a you know because the AMAs you only get say if we're doing it around a two year turnaround, you only get like what to release eleven tracks and then like yeah. even if the song is an amazing song but it doesn't make that cut or isn't appropriate for that record, then you're like what I'm gonna wait another fucking two years like it, and yeah. but that's yeah. kind of what we did with Silver but. It paid off, you know. We waited six years, you know. It didn't make the first EP or two albums, and then now, eventually, it's coming out um, after writing it in 2014. You know what I mean? But and it's been one of our strongest and best and well received songs to date. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, And then, so I guess like when we brought the demo, uh, so this song was produced by Scott Horscroft, right? And it was the first track we did. And we did it up at the Grove um, in uh, Summersby, which is about an hour and a half north of Sydney, this beautiful um, recording studio. Um, And one, so Scott was like, oh, we need another idea, you know? Um, And basically, you know, we'd already kind of sped it up and worked on the beat and all that kind of stuff. Um, But we're like, we need one more melody to get this song over the line. And um and so as you do, you'll whip out your bloody iPhones and you're like, Okay, what have I got? What have I got? You know, so we're all like digging yeah. through our memos. Um and Tommy was like, Oh, you know, the other night I woke up in the middle of the night and I was singing this melody and it was the um how do I read fine all my love for you? And he doesn't play much. He plays a bit of piano but not really much, right. like guitar or instruments He's, so it was just cappella. So we basically worked out the chord, some chords. We worked out two chord progressions. Um, the second chord progression happens only once and it's the, on the last repetition of the l- lyric. But yeah, and then we added that and then it was like, well, I'm so glad we waited six years to finally yeah. release this album. I mean, this song, because firstly, we didn't have that melody to really make right. it what it really could have been. And I think it's, uh, and it's obviously such an important part of the song.
1: Yeah, like that part of the song, like really kind of ties it all together for me. It's no doubt like one of my favorite parts of the tune, and you know the the, the song has like a sort of special resonance for me. I mean, whenever uh, my friends and I get together to jam, it seems like Silver is always the one that we sort of you know kick things off with. Um, so for that reason, amongst many others, obviously it has a it has a special place in my heart. But I, had a, I one of the one of the friends who I will sort of jam it with, um, he he actually was hoping that i might sort of ask you about that hook that sort of tommy wrote um the sort of how do i redefine all my love for you at this time um i was m- hoping maybe you might be able to shed some insight on uh on sort of what what that bit is about
0: um i guess like i don't know i don't know specifically right. Um i'm trying to remember if that was the I'm pretty sure that was the exact lyric he came in with, or if if he came in with the melody and similar lyrics, and then we tweaked them. I'm pretty sure um, that was it. But I guess I didn't really question it that much. But I, the reason I didn't question it, I think, because it sat naturally in with the kind of theme of change and and um and you know and embracing change, which is a right. big lyrical theme on the album. Right. So if 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 I'd have to say anything I'd probably head towards that but I think not maybe not specifically, you know, exactly right. what he had in mind. Sometimes it's just the first words that come into your head.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I mean I'm I'm interested in this idea of change and you know we I want to talk about this a little bit later because we're going to play another one of your tunes at the end but uh, obviously uh, like this album is a pretty big sonic departure um from stuff that you have put out in the past like a pretty big change um just in terms of its sound so do you guys almost see silver as like an anthem of change like particularly the change that you're going through as a band
0: um in some senses yes for example um when we recorded it with scott we got in a, a real string quartet and recorded them three times to make it sound like a orchestra you know what i mean yeah stuff like that um the high fidelity of the record, yeah. um, definitely, but probably yeah. even more so and more obvious, obviously, in um, Life is a Game of Changing, you know, one yeah. of the first songs that we wrote where it was truly based around sequences and, yeah. and drum machines and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and in the song title, you know, um, yeah. and, and I, I think, yeah, but there's, uh, there, there's a lot of themes across, across the whole album. That kind of lead
1: towards that as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, this is Silver by the DMAs on CJRU.
2: Did you feel like heaven? Did you ring like silver in the wasted light? Still, I'm trying to find. Did you sing through the battle call? Did you ring like silver? Still I'm trying to find saw it beneath your eyes It's funny that I think of you
1: silver by the dmas if you're just joining us we are here having a chat with johnny took of the dmas and uh next up johnny we've got uh, we've got a tune by always we've got dreams tonight uh how'd you come to hear about always
0: um i can't remember i think it was maybe my little brother who's in the band called planet maybe played them to me first right i can't remember if that was how i first heard of them or if um you know because um i just have fond memories of driving around in the car listening um listening to the first record you know um and then obviously um dreams tonight was one of the singles um on that album and it was, it was you know when, when that album's highly anticipated and you're just kind of on the edge of your seat waiting for like um singles to come out and what the vibe's going to be and all that stuff. It was one of those rec- records for me, I guess. And um, and we'd met those guys before. They played after us at at Coachella, um, mm-hmm. which was a real pleasure for us. Not only to a be able to play Coachella, but then to just stick around, um, at our stage straight afterwards and watch those guys two weekends in a row. So that was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And um, but yeah, just like, you know, we they're just a great band and we love that sound you know we love that kind of 90s dream dreamy kind of thing
1: so what's it been like for you guys to you know come to north america from so far away i mean obviously you guys are from sydney and play these like very iconic festivals like do you you know is there an extra sort of weight to it because it's these sort of big festivals that are so revered or do you guys just sort of you know approach it like any other gig
0: well that when we first came over to America and I'd never been to America before and we pretty much, we did like 26 days, I think in a month, 26 shows in a month or something like that. And um, it was really early on in the band's career as well, you know, so we had no money. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we're a six-piece band, so there's a lot of expenses and we were sharing beds across, you know, blah, 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 and um, it's an experience I'll never forget, you know, with uh, a few quirky moments in between. But um, yeah, and we pretty much drove from New York and then and then across to LA um, mm. with shows all in between. Um, at the start, we kind of went up the East Coast and I w- uh, went to Canada for a bit. Yeah, we played that um that festival in Montreal, um, Oshiaga, is it?
1: Yeah, Oceaga um best so, catering I've ever had at a festival. Oh really? Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They
0: get like chefs from, from Europe and shit or like still the best and you're walking around and you're like, burgers, sushi, like you know, it's <laughs> like pretty much everything you could ever like you know, Sunday roast anyway. Right. It's pretty funny.
1: Right. So my understanding of your guys' history is that, you know, it started out sort of as like a bedroom project without much gigging, just because you were sort of, you had kind of gotten sick um, of doing the gigging, you know, bringing all this gear to, to places and kind of having no one turn up. Um, and it's got to be kind of daunting when you come over to North America, because, you know, you, you can build up all this success sort of in, you know, in, in the country where you come from, but in many ways, you're sort of starting from scratch. You're starting from zero um, and you have to sort of build that up. Again, I mean, like we had, uh, we had Toby from Skegs on the show who was talking about like the first time they came to Toronto to play a gig, no one was at the show. So what do you do to stay motivated when you know, you're, you're going somewhere new to play a show and you have no idea if anyone's even going to turn up?
0: Well, without sounding like too much of a downer, it does help being younger. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when we did it, we were 24. Which isn't crazy young, you know. People are doing it when they're like, you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, or whatever. But we were like twenty-four, mm-hmm. and we'd never been to America, and like, so you're like, I mean, I'm um, North America, and um, and so we were. You have that that energy, and like the band's new, and like, I think if you've been around for like ages and ages, and you tried to do it to that extreme, um, it could be pretty tiresome. Um, because we did the same thing in the UK as well, just like. Right you know, and then slowly watch watch the build, you know, which is yeah. but that's when you when it when it pays off, you know, yeah, um Brilliant. but yeah, we're super excited to get back, yeah, and see because it's, cause it's been a while for us, so we're excited to get back and and see if if the band has kind of grown i think I think this next record's going to help a lot.
1: Yeah, man. Like, I really hope so. Um, and, you know, so you brought up the UK um, and I'm, I'm interested in the UK thing because, you know, we, we we played your tune Feels Like 37 on the very first episode of the show. And something that we were talking about um, was sort of we were puzzling with sort of why it is that you guys sound so different from so many of the other sort of Australian bands that I think to many people have sort of put Australian rock and roll music sort of in the global spotlight bands like skags and dune rats and hockey dad so what do you think it is that has sort of allowed your sound to be just so different from so many of your contemporaries from uh from back home um i think
0: firstly that those bands um uh they they've got a different vibe it's kind of a bit more um it's less anthem like I'm not saying like it's less of that anthemic emotion that you get with the right. Britpop genre. Right. It's kind of more like jangly, coastal, kind of punky stuff, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool. And I love all those bands. I love all those mm-hmm. guys. Um, but it is. A, but it it is a. I I think of it as a completely different kind of genre. You know. Yeah. It's c- kind of doing it. Doing a. Um, even though there are sim- similarities with like kind of jangly guitars, I think that's, right. and, the poppy, and the poppy melodies. Right. Um, also, I think a big thing is Tommy's voice is heaps different.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure.
0: You know, if you compare it to, to lots of those bands voices, it kind of uh, puts it in a different genre, just uh, on that fact alone, yeah. which um, is amazing because Tommy is one of the best singers I've, you know, ever worked with. Right. Um, but then it's also funny because there's heaps of styles of music and bands that like Mason and I also really love, mm-hmm. where it would and songs that we write, which sometimes we think would suit a more kind of punkier style vocal, you know. Right. And um, and sometimes you know, it doesn't. Re- it doesn't come out. It yeah. I'm not like complaining for a second, but it's like you know there are certain. Styles of voices that suit certain styles of music, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: And um, sometimes, like, you know, like Tommy just doesn't sing like Thurston Moore, you know what I mean? Right. (laughs) Or on that that, that style of vocal, which a lot of the time we try and write songs that have that energy to it. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Sweet. All right. Well, this is always with Dreams Tonight on CJRU. heard dreams tonight by always uh if you're just joining us we are here having a chat with johnny took of the dmas uh next up johnny we've got listen to their no by the underworld what do you like about this tune
0: uh this tune is like i don't know it's uh it's kind of like in one sense obviously i can't like narrow it down this much but the type of anthemic um dance music that i want to make right you know right. it's uh the sequence um in the the melody the emotion uh when they choose when they decide to change chords you know just like every aspect of it um in that i just really love the sound of the vocals the sound of that like rick smith uses on all those um on all the synths and everything it's uh yeah, these guys are a uh, huge inspiration of mine at the moment. Yeah. Um, probably like them and Chemical Brothers, kind of. Re- it's and and it, and probably them because they are well. I think um, Underworld Welsh, but yeah. Yeah. um, you know that that kind
1: of um British yeah, like the um like the kind of dancier stuff.
0: Yeah, and it's a natural
1: trajectory for us, right? For sure. So I mean, like you guys are are often you know compared to Britpop and um, you know a, a sort of Bit of brit pop that I really like is the sort of dancier Madchester stuff, you know, what came out of sort of Factory Records and turned into bands like New Order, um, you know, other bands like the Happy Mondays as well. So like what what are some other bands other than Underworld and the Chemical Brothers that uh that you sort of look to for inspiration on that front? The sort of the dancier bands um that, you know, sound like they've sort of inspired the new direction?
0: Well I guess the presets were were up there, you know. Yeah. Um, and we were an Australian dance um, act. Um, and Kim produced our last record, you know, so we kind of learned mm. a lot of him. Mm. Um, we like Empire of the Sun as well and Penal, yeah. you know, these Australian mm. um, dance acts. Um, but to be honest, I'll, oh, and Soul Wax as well. Mm. Um, Justice, I love those. I've been listening to heaps of Justice and Daft Punk as well. But I love those yeah. Justice bass because they're so fucking gnarly and like (laughs) and dirty you know um but at the same time you know i've only kind of been working on dance music production for the last couple of few years you know which isn't really a long time when you think about some of these guys who have been doing it for 20 years and um i guess that's why stuart price was amazing for us working on this record because he's done you know madonna and um, pet shop boys and new order and stuff like that. So he was kind of able to help us make the change a little bit more legitimate right. than than we obviously well he definitely did than we could of ourselves with all his knowledge and history and but the vision we had for the songs. Right. But um. But because yeah, like I said, it's still really, really new for us, and we're just learning and learning and learning, yeah. and it's and it's such an expansive genre yeah. like, literally with yeah. dance production there are no fucking rules i feel yeah. you know yeah. like you can just there's so many options um especially when it comes to um sound design you know what i mean so it's like yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, we don't pretend at all to be pros at it or like like we excuse me um yeah. like we know yeah. tremendous um am- amounts of um information about like dance music and all the different um you know genres with subgenres in electronic music and stuff but we're just learning and listening and trying to make people feel good you know yeah, and so that's what this that's what that underworld song does for me
1: right so i mean like i i'm interested in the role that stuart price played um did you guys sort of you know, consciously go out to make dancier songs, or did you sort of go to him with more of like an open mind and sort of he helped you guys craft the songs in that direction
0: uh no we we went we went to him with a few with with the thought of going, okay, this guy's a wizard electronic producer, and we've got um you know. Uh, we 've got and, and we were starting to find um, like have interest in like adding more sequences and synths and right. drum machines to our music yeah. um, because we didn 't want we want every record of ours to be different yeah. and um, yeah. you know it 's funny you see some people online saying they wish like you know not not like a small percentage of people, but they say like "Oh you know that hill 's end sound or something like that and it 's like if you 're a creative person, like, it's pretty hard to just like you like. Like, well, I know I can't speak for everyone. Of of course, I can only speak for myself. But like, I don't want to make the same fucking record again and again and again. Yeah, like, course. what's the point? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I I, just, I wouldn't get anything out of it creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, yeah, okay, you can do lo-fi jangly guitars, but like, I kind of like, I, we didn't want to do that, and we wanted to keep moving and we were finding uh that we had an interest in other sounds and and um i really i'm really proud of the glow because it feels like it's got a nice blend between what we like about our noisy guitars and then trying to grow into something more
1: right and it almost seems like it's kind of like a double edged sword in the sense that you know if you keep putting out an album that sounds like the last one People are gonna complain and give you shit because it sounds like the last one. And if you, you know, make an album that sounds different, people are gonna give you shit because it doesn't sound like the last one. So in a position where if you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, you might as well just take the route that's the most creatively fulfilling.
0: Yeah, you're totally right. It's the thing. And also, like, and the the truth is, even on our last record, we. People were saying, even when In The Air came out and people were like, oh, you know, it sounds a bit different or like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and then fucking six months later, it's the most popular song at the gig. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like, and that's, and that's what it's like being a creative person growing up in the public eye and your fans growing with you. Yeah. You know, sometimes you release something and they're kind of like, they might not understand it, but which is going to happen a lot with this record. but I, I would like to hope, and I think in six months' time, once the album sat with people a lot, um, they will, I mean, probably not even that long, but, you know, they will kind of understand where the band, band's heads were at, at that
1: time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, when, when Life is a Game of Changing first came out, you know, and, and we'll talk about this a bit more at the end, but, like, I, it really did have to sit with me for a little bit, because, you know, when I first heard it, it just it just didn't sound like anything you guys had put out before. But now I'm, like, I, I love it. Like I, I'm, I cannot get enough of that tune.
0: And then when, yeah. Then, and yeah, you start, you go, Oh, you like, yeah. Cause it's, there is a bit of a shock factor. Yeah. But then once, yeah. once you kind of move past that and you, yeah. Well, that makes me really happy f- to hear you say that.
1: Yeah, man. Of course.
0: Yeah. They're, they're the kind of comments uh, an artist likes to hear uh, eight days out from their
1: record being released. I think <laughs> it's quite a nerve wracking time. Yeah. I can imagine. Uh, anyway, this is uh, The Underworld with Listen to Their Know on CJRU. <laughs> That was the underworld with listen to their no. Uh next up, Johnny, we've got uh Star Guitar by the Chemical Brothers. What do you like about the Chemical Brothers? Oh,
0: I just love the way that, I love the way they sample everything. If even like when um we were uh there's Tim Burgess from the Charlatans, does the Tim's listening party. Have you ever tuned into one of them on Twitter?
1: No, I haven't, but uh I really like the charlatans, so I might Yeah, you'll love it. Too. So
0: yeah, he goes to basically uh, we've done a couple. We've done it for Hills End and, and for, for now. And actually, we're going to do it in the opening week of The Glow coming out.
1: Right.
0: And basically, uh, the idea is it's just on Twitter. And then we kind of write like a little track by track tweet thing with uh, his hashtag, Tim's Twitter Listening Party. Right, right, right. And, um, and everyone can join into the conversation, the chat, and, and, and everyone presses play at like the exact same time. And so everyone's listening to the record at the same time. Yeah, that's the idea. Um, Anyway, one of the ones he did recently um, was Exit Planet Dust, which was the first Chemical Brothers record. And um, just seeing, I think Tom um, Rollins' tweet was tweeting from the Chemical Brothers and Eddie Simons was doing from his personal one. And it was just amazing, like, seeing all these insights onto how they... Instruments they use where they recorded it little quirky moments in the song that you know that you just wouldn't get from anywhere else and I just remember one of the things they were talking about um where they used this synth called the ems synth um which is like a big part of their sound and whatnot and but also talking about um how every sound that you hear it was it wasn't like they had a synth and like played a synth through the song you know uh, it they they the synth take or did noise and then would sample their take, so yeah. every single part of it was sampled, yeah, and just like little things like that. And when you start getting little insights to how uh, to someone's creative process, and then you listen to a song like Star Guitar, it starts making a lot more sense, right? And it was a and listening to that song, um, I remember uh, listening to it a while back, and it's like with dance production, there's when I first heard a lot of dance music production, I really there was just there's still an incredible magic to it. Because yeah. from my bluegrass kind of guitar, jangly guitar kind of rock background, I'll listen to these records and I'd be like, What the fuck is happening? Like, you yeah. know, how is this created? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like just going, This is just insane. And yeah. um and, and then as I kind of studied and started learning a lot more myself about the genres and listening more and, you know, when I lived in Edinburgh and I wrote kind of like the main body of Life is a Game of Changing and stuff like that, I was just listening to so much music, trying to educate myself and like really learn these genres, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I remember listening to star guitar not too long ago. Um, when we're doing the Grooving the mood, mood tour, and after remember listening it to it six months before, and I just understood it a lot more, right. and uh, uh, you know I was kind of pulling back the veil a bit, and um, and it was, and it made me feel, it made me feel confident in like you know my own songwriting and and production efforts in the in the future, um, but then also just made me love the song
1: even more. Right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in this sort of trajectory of your taste in music, where, you know, you start off doing like the bluegrass thing and and you're all about the sort of the jangly guitars. Um, and I, like you, you know, for, there was a time when, you know, I would listen to sort of dancier electronic music and stuff like that. And I would cover my ears. Like it was just not for me. Um, but sort of, there was you know i started to get into bands like the happy mondays and then through them i started to get into new order and then and it really sort of you know expanded my mind and, and and introduced me to artists like the chemical brothers so i'm i'm interested in sort of what were the bands for you that sort of facilitated that transition uh
0: well happy mondays as well um but probably mainly um like primal scream right was was really the big the big time um, one obviously Andrew Wetherill um, producing um Delica mm. And um, mm. and and that transition was a big one. It, it, it's really funny the way you said that was exactly how I got into it It's like right. I remember Tommy telling me to listen to like, you know, the Chemical Brothers or whatever um, Probably when we were starting DMAs like about two a year in or two years in, which would have been like 2015 or 14, you know. And I and I like forced myself to listen to it because I was like, I didn't naturally enjoy it straight away. Right. And then when I started to, and then and then it's like I kind of went back and then started and then doing like Happy Mondays and Primal Scream and stuff like that. Um, and new order, and then kind of came back again. And because it's like it's like I, that transition helped me understand it and love it even more.
1: Yeah, for sure. righty. well this is Star Guitar by the Chemical Brothers on CJRU. Brothers with Star Guitar. Uh and next up, Johnny, we've got uh we've got a tune by Haley Mary. Uh what do you like about Haley Mary's music?
0: Uh well she's one of the my favorite Australian songwriters. Yeah. Um she's also an incredible person. Um she used to be she was the singer in the band, or she used the singer in the band called the Jezebels. Right. Um and I met Haley a few years ago. Um, you know, and she kind of had this desire to start a solo record, so we started writing songs together and and whatnot, and um, and I helped her with a lot of lot of those. I helped I helped her kind of with my recording experience, piece these songs together and whatnot, and right. um, and really kind of like start this solo career, because. Um, She's just such an amazing songwriter and incredible singer and person and talent, but like sometimes people just need a push to kind of get things going a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah for sure.
0: And um yeah, yeah, sure. and yeah and we and she's also my my partner. Right. Um, right. And I'm just so and so we just worked on her new record, but this was off her EP um, with Scott Horstkov again, who did Silver, and um. Yeah, I'm just really proud of her and she's like, and I think she's an amazing lyricist as well and um, and, and just an incredible person and talent all around and um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I loved being, I just, I felt really privileged being a part, not only of her life, but um, of the music she makes, you know, right, and be able to, you know, um, to be able to share those experiences and do that with your partner is a pretty special thing that yeah, I don't sure. take for granted, so um, and yeah, and I really just really feel like you know, she's very uh intuitive with the world and empathetic to uh, all different situations, you know, um, mm. and yeah, and I just think this is a really beautiful song. And I remember when we uh she wrote the riff to this song, but she, she plays guitar chords, but doesn't really play so. She'd sing me the riff, nee, 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 and we'd obviously work it out on the guitar and stuff like that. I've just got really fun memories of that, and I just love the way that the, the message that the song has and, um, and the way that the uh, recording turned out.
1: Yeah, so I mean, like, I-, I love this idea of you just sort of passing on sort of lessons learned, um on to sort of other artists. And, you know, many of many of my friends who are big fans of yours are musicians. So I guess I'm wondering like, you know, what are some some things that you've sort of learnt over the course of your career uh in terms of just, you know, recording, songwriting, production that uh that you think it's important to sort of, you know, pass on to uh to other musicians?
0: Well the big the biggest one I've learned is to not it's a fine line, but if your songwriting is to not be overly precious. Right, um, Like obviously You craft your art And um, And you want it to be as best as possible But not to the extent where you don't release Any music at all Because there's <laughs> so many creative people Who are so talented But they have this, this fear You know or it's, it's like it's a blockage You know mm-hmm. And it's like no no it's not ready No it's not perfect And then it, nothing gets released Right and then next next minute, fucking four or five years have gone by. You know what I mean? Right. And and it's a f- terrifying thing, but it's like what I touched on before about growing up in the public eye. Like it's yeah. it's it's terrifying, but that's how you learn, and that's and that's what you got to do. You know what I mean? And um, and and yeah, and I, I that's one thing I'd say is like to try and also not even like for the end result. Like obviously when you've when the song's finished and you're happy with it and then you want to go and record it properly of course but like in a songwriting sense if you're not if you're writing a song and the verse and the verse is like is all right mm-hmm. don't put down the guitar or step up from the piano and go fuck that you know yeah force yourself to write a pre-chorus because it might just be because that might just lead into a chorus which might be the best chorus you've ever written You know what I mean? It's like, if you just kind of go, oh, I'm not inspired, the verse sucked. You know, it's like, well, who cares? Like, it's just the verse, like, move on. And then, like, you might, and then in, like, if you do that, say, 14 days in a row, and then you pick the chorus from day one, you pick the verse from day four, and you pick the pre-chorus from the song you wrote on day six, then you've got a pretty fucking good song on your hands, I reckon. Yeah,
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Anyway, this is Haley Mary with Like A Woman Should on CJRU. Haley Mary with "Like a Woman Should," and uh, next up uh, is our Can't Con quota segment of the show, uh, and uh, and Johnny's picked another uh, another set of tunes by Always for us. Uh, we're gonna listen to their debut record, um, and I'm always interested in talking to folks from outside of Canada um, about like sort of what their perception of Canadian music is. Like, what what are some other uh, Canadian bands that uh, that you that you like and admire?
0: Actually, you know what, man, I'd probably. I'd probably change my album, yeah, because right. um, I, I, my knowledge isn't great of the com- right. uh, of the Canadian scene, but obviously like, um always, um, Mac DeMarco,
1: yeah,
0: um, yeah. Uh, Neil Young, yeah, and then probably my favorite, um, and the record I would pick would be that um, that debut from um, Tobias Jesso Jr.
1: Oh, okay. Sweet. Totally. So what do you like about this one? It's
0: just amazing, beautiful lyrics. Um, it's very Lenin-esque, you know, like Imagine kind of vibe. Right. Um, and I guess like his story as well, his mom being sick and failing in LA and then going right. back to Canada and then coming back to LA. And then next minute, um, he wrote that, um one of those massive massive Adele hits and it's just like good on you mate Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) you know yeah I love that just like coming out of adversity and just coming out on top you know
0: yeah exactly you know just like it's I just I just love stories like that I find them tremendously emotional and I find his music really emotional and yeah um, Mm -hmm. yeah I don't even like think I think he did that record and got so much love from um songwriters and whatnot I don't think he's done another solo record because now he gives these songs to like massive pop stars and shit
1: right yes so I mean like I'm fascinated by these folks who just do sort of you know their job is to sort of write a pop song like you know the elusive idea of a pop song and this is something that we've talked about with uh you know with a few singer-songwriters on the show before um but sort of what in your mind sort of makes a great pop song
0: um. Well, I guess like for us, which isn't like you know, like one thing I try and do is I try and write have the song have like five main parts that are all killer, like all real, like right. really strong parts, yeah. like almost like five choruses, if you will, of like a verse, a pre-chorus, a chorus, a middle eight, and like a riff slash outro. Yeah. So if like. That's one thing we focused on really early on in DMAs, is that we tried to have those five moments, and and each one to be as good if not better than the next. Right. Yeah. So every time you're jumping to different parts, um, you're keeping the listener engaged. And yeah, absolutely. um, Absolutely. Another trick I learned was like always make the second verse different to the first, right? Right. In some way, you know what I mean? Um, Yeah. Yeah. uh and also like saying true to um I think it was Mick Jagger who like talks about Valve valve movements, which is when you're um when you're you' say you've got like a a chord progression or whatever and you're singing what naturally comes out, you know, but they're not really they're not real words, it's like gibberish yeah. you know, and you're <laughs> like, i don't know. All I want is nothing more than the Cajun, nothing i like for You know, just making up something on the spot Yeah And there's like the Cajun, it's like what, what is that? But, but the A, uh, like the A sound and the yeah. more So when you start writing proper lyrics, you can like use that as your rhyming structure Right, yeah Yeah, so I think staying true to that because it's like the reason why you went there in the first place was because it felt natural
1: yeah, absolutely. And it certainly makes it like easier to sing along to. But anyway, with that, this is three songs off of Goon by Tobias Jesso Junior. C J R U.
2: Scared to apologize after all these years. There's got to be something I can do. Wow. Why can't you just love me? Should I move on? Or should I wait? And how'd you get so high above
1: you just heard three songs from tobias jesso jr's album goon uh we are here just wrapping up this hour of having a chat with johnny took of the dmas um and johnny you know to to wrap up the show you know we're going to play another one of your tunes and it's a tune that we've talked about a fair amount already um and you know like i said I, i did have a kind of a hard time picking um from you know the tunes on this new album uh there are, there are so many in such a wide range of, uh, of different sounds and styles. Um, but this one was sort of the song that introduced me to, I guess, what you might call like the new DMAs. Um, so I guess just kind of a simple question, you know, what was the what was the songwriting process behind this song like? Um,
0: it was a lengthy one. Once again, the, <laughs> the initial so M- Mason and I have lived together a few times. Um, but this was after we, lost, after we moved on from um, the Newtown place Where we kind of recorded lots of Hills End and whatnot um, And Mason and I moved in above this pub at The Botany Bay Hotel mm. And Botany is like, it's in Sydney But it's kind of, it's not like inner Sydney You know, uh, it's just a little bit further around And we didn't have cars or anything So we weren't really <laughs> leaving the house much um, you know, because I guess it would cost you like, I don't know, 40 bucks each way or 35 bucks in an Uber each way. So then you, right. before you've even gone out, you've already spent, you know, 60, 70 bucks or something like that. Um, and so we were just like living above this pub, probably drinking too much, right. but getting a lot of fucking work done, like, and get, yeah. writing a lot of music. Um, and you know, we were talking about this is like this is this is maybe four years ago, I was like three years ago, and talking about different ways of side chaining in getting side chaining effects. And basically he uh, we were we, and then we just came up with a chord progression, right, right. and And then Mason sung this melody, which was uh, um, if you're gonna be there, if you're gonna see love, and from the start, I don't know. Um, and we we called it "I Don't Want to Get Lost," right? And we we used it as a walk-on song. It was this like dancy demo, and people were like, "What the?" F-? Like we'd use it in the UK a lot. So like before we go on stage, we play this. The slides go down. We play this demo. You know, yeah. we kind of like doing so, like playing unreleased demos as our walk-on songs, right? Um, and uh, and yeah, and then we walked on, and, and then sorry, and that was sticking around for ages. And then like maybe a year later, or Two years later, I moved to Edinburgh, yeah. and um, and I was starting to learn more about you know, like I told you, kind of studying and like understanding electronic music a bit better. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I just had like B minor to A, very simple, and and basically I started, and it was starting to feel good. But I got into this problem where I'd kind of like start writing electronic music ideas. And then just focusing on the production, production, production. And then I, so I wouldn't have the song finished, you know, or like the song was coming because I was just having so much fun with the production side of things. And so I had to stop myself. I was like, Oh, I'm onto something here. Like this is, this is good. You know what I mean? Um, So I took the chord progression. I had B minor to A. um, And then I sat down and I started writing lyrics. I was like, I need to get into lyrics again. I need to, show some love and some focus um, on the lyric side of things because I've just been going down these sonic rabbit holes but not really coming out with anything.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, so I basically, and I sat down on the guitar and, and worked on those lyrics and then I did the, the change which goes to the E major, the fifth, where it goes, Oh, I want for you to be and, and that kind of vibe. And yeah, and so then I had those two ideas basically, oh, and the guitar riff that that comes in, and so basically once I've, I I w- went down and I, and I've tried to focus on lyrics again and get back to that you know and and I think that's maybe why the lyrics, I am quite proud of those lyrics and the and the emotion they emit and and the their idea of change and obviously I'm living in Edinburgh in this apartment and blah 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 and and then. Uh, so i kind of like did the guts of the song there and then we went back to do a writing session um in australia before this festival we were playing and uh we we airbnb the house in buster and um we really just did nothing like we we were sitting around cooking the sausages and drinking beer and like just like we were and we're like christ we've been up here for four days We've brought all the recording gear And we've like literally done nothing um, We should And then like Tommy and I were like I think Mason was kayaking or something at this point um, With our drummer Liam and, um, and then Tommy and I were like oh, We gotta, let's, we gotta do something right? right So I was like okay I've got this song idea Life is a game of changing or whatever um, You know <clears throat> Tommy do you want to put a vocal on it and it was cool and then we realized that the um that the melody from that i don't want to get lost demo was the same chords but just down a tone right so um yeah and that became ended up being the middle eight you know adding that extra bit to it right. and then so they're like that's the first two steps of the song and then then we sent that to stuart price and then when we got to rack studios in london uh, stuart was like hey we need a melody a riff for a melody And Mason pulled out a vocal melody that he had that I think it went something like Something like that and we were like hey how about we try that on on guitar And then um, that was Stuart's idea he goes oh can we try that on guitar and then Next, he goes, "Hey, why don't we put it on an arpeggiated synth?" And it became, right, right, right. which is cool because that's something I've never done before—kind of going in and thinking about vocal melodies and turning them into just instrumental riffs. Right.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, it's like it's it's a really really fantastic tune. Like it's without a doubt one of my favorites on the record. Um, so at the end of these things, we we usually like to give you guys a chance to uh, to plug any upcoming tours or anything that you've got going on. Um, you know, obviously you guys aren't touring at the moment, but, uh, you know, I hope that when you, uh, when touring starts back up again, you'll be, uh, you'll be making a stop in Toronto. But what can you tell, uh, what can you tell the people about this new, uh, this new record of yours?
0: Oh, basically it's new for us and it's going to be new for our fans, but there's, there are some really beautiful moments on it and we're really proud of the songs and the melodies that are on there. Um, and also, you know, after being a band that had rock and roll tunes and sing alongs, um, we're particularly excited to do it live because there's some there's some dancing moments now and as we've been starting to get it's, it was the one it was the one facet of our live show which i knew that we had to work on so now i feel like it's a lot more three-dimensional now and if you get the chance come down and have a laugh
1: yeah absolutely all righty man well thanks a ton for coming on we really appreciate it and uh to all those podcast listeners don't forget to rate review, and subscribe. And this is the DMAs with Life is a Game of Changing on CJRU. When you
2: find-